You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa, also the founder and CEO of Rock, Paper, Scissors, the PR firm that specializes in music innovation and music tech. And some of the most exciting things about music innovation are the new opportunities to increase the industry by opening up more music to more listeners. As we get word of streaming services plateauing in the United States, there are interesting things happening with streaming in unexpected places. In some cases, these are parts of the world that still have growth in their streaming economy, and in other cases, these are groups of people who, until now, have been underserved with music, from churches to prisons. Today's guest is looking into all those nooks and crannies to figure out how to bring music to more people through some interesting partnerships. Juan Francisco Saavedra Plata has spent two decades at the intersection of the mobile and music industries. He's spearheaded over 400 tech projects with an eye towards innovation. His brainchild, Quack Media Group, partners with a variety of companies to offer white-label music streaming platforms. Originally aligned with mobile operators in Latin America, Quack has since forged partnerships with banks, fintech companies, gyms, and unique projects like the music service for U.S. inmates. Another of its standout ventures is the introduction of Godbeats, a gospel-specialized music app. Really diverse. Quack is now expanding into Africa, connecting with a market with 250 million users across 42 countries. Educated at Pontificia Universidad, Javriana and Universidad Católica del Uruguay, Juan Francisco has been a judge at Meetem Lab, something I love, and a frequent speaker at GSMA and other esteemed telecom symposiums. As a beacon of the convergence of mobile tech, music, and multiple sectors, he's shaping the next wave of digital music experiences. Juan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dimitri. Thank you for having me here. Uh, you know, such an introduction. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. It's, <laughs> it's an honor. It's an honor to be here. Thank you to you. Thank you to Music Tectonics. Um, yes, that's everything you say. You know, it sounds amazing. So, so let's get started. I know you have some questions for me. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's dive right in. And and you you know the introduction is great because you've done so much stuff, Juan. But but just so that people are clear, what exactly does Quack Media Group do? Uh, well, it it will be an oversimplification to say you know that we merely provide white label music streaming platforms. Uh, while we okay. do develop, you know, branded and customized platforms um, based on our partners' specifications, uh, you know, our role really extends beyond that. You know, every time we engage with a new partner or industry, we guide them in the understanding that, you know, the, the benefits of having their own music streaming platforms. We show them how this can positively impact their business and, and, and improve certain KPIs. You know, some partners uh, aim to provide a high value added service to build a close relationship with, with their customers, while others look to create bundles to boost uh, their, their service usage. Um, there isn't really a one size fits all approach, you know, uh, and this is what makes us different because each new partner requires not just the design of a totally new app, but uh, the design of a long-term strategy. And that's why our partners' investments in, in music are successful and, and actually endure over time. You know, Dimitri, it's, it's, it's important to mention that 
Uh, at Quack, we stimulate our partners to invest in music. And, and many of our partners don't stop simply offering a, a wide-label music streaming platform. They often end building, you know, a deeper relationship with the music scene, sponsoring concerts, and, and seeking even seeking local artists for, for their marketing campaigns. So, so this generates a unique opportunity for, for record labels, for artists, and, and, and for the entire industry. You know, we make businesses recognize the potential of investing further in music and cultivating ties that might not have occurred otherwise. Um, of course, uh, there's the other part, you know, the user front. You know, our primary focus is, is, is with those who engage with our apps. You know, we need to understand their needs. Actually, we have been pioneers in, in, in developing, you know, innovative business models tailored to, to distinct populations. Probably, it might be hard to imagine, but there are users in emerging markets uh, who mainly consume pirated content because their, you know, their, their monthly mobile budget is less than the cost of a, of a premium music app and data charges for, for streaming are extremely high. Uh, however, by creating a daily or, or a weekly music service and, and, and partnering with, with mobile carriers offering zero-rated data, we enable users to, to enjoy a legal quality app. Of course, um, and someone asked me this uh, the other day, you know, how, how, how are their consuming habits, their consumption habits? And I said, look, they might only consume music for, for two days a week, but that user is happy. It's, it's most important, it's loyal to, to its mobile operator, to its carrier, and no longer relies on, on, on pirated sources. That's so interesting. Wow, I, I love I love that you um, are are kind of doing two things at once. One is showing the value of music, and then and then helping people with it, like music services from there. But two, like really thinking from a business model perspective, and that's how we approach the work at Rock Paper Scissors as a PR company too. It's like if it doesn't help the business ultimately, there's really no go, you know there's no real benefit to getting press. Same thing, like if it doesn't help the business, then why are you creating a, a music streaming service? So I, I love the way that you're approaching it, and and to hear your passion about the, you know, getting music to, to fans and people who might not have it. Most people in the music business, I think, think about the consumer facing streaming services as the place to listen to music, places like Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or maybe even TikTok or YouTube. What exactly are these other places where people are streaming music? You've kind of hinted at it, but let's spell it out here. Exactly. I mean, today, you know, there are many services available, as you said, all offering essentially the same content. Apart from some AI features, you know, podcasts or, or very specific content. Uh, however, one could argue that today all existing services are essentially substitutes for each other. Each platform may offer some added functionality, but the basic operations of, you know, catalog, search, playback, which are the essentials of a, of, of a platform, are nearly identical across all of them. On the other hand, the services our partners provide to their users, they always have a unique feature that makes them very convenient and distinctive. Um, as an example, consider a fitness change, a chain that decides to include in its, in, you know, in its monthly fee a music streaming service with the same catalog and, and same basic features. And additionally, offers 
some benefits such as virtual trainer, nutrition plans, among many others. This app can be customized and curated in such a local way that no other global platform can because it's designed to a specific mm. local segment. So it gives us a unique advantage when it comes to local flavor. And, you know, let's yeah, say the cost right. of this yeah. service, it's already included into their monthly fee, making it part of a bundle with multiple benefits, making it highly attractive for the user, especially if the partner assumes a significant percentage of the cost. To be really honest, many times, Dimitri, these, these, these services are, are subsidized by the partner. Also, consider that these apps not only customize the music content, but also the overall experience, offering relevant content uh, about the gym, the, the training routines, the nutrition measurements. And, and so the user gets much more than music. So this starts to resemble more of a, a super app approach where user can customize their gym services and enjoy their music all within the single app. Got it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, something before we move on, I'm curious, it seems like the types of companies you're talking about seems to track closely with emerging markets, regionally speaking. Can you just talk a little bit about why that is? Um, I mean, it may be obvious to you, it may be obvious to some of our listeners, but, um, you know, again, like here in the US, people are like, well, I use Spotify, I use Apple Music, something like that. But you're saying that in other places, it makes sense to do something different. Let's just, let's just express like, wh why is that? Well, let me circle back a little bit with the previous question because, and, and that's actually relevant for this one. You know, an important mm -hmm. point uh, to, to answer uh, the question uh, is that, um, you know, the partner is the one that promotes the service. The partner is the one that communicates and bring users. So actually we don't have to go out and seek customers. Uh, it could be say that we have a, a, you know, a captive audience um, um, mm -hmm. uh, for us. So, so, so that's also, of course, a reason why, you know, users are, are listening to and using branded platforms regarding, you know, mm -hmm. um, um, emerging markets and on why, of course, you know, probably uh, this was, um, you know, initially it was so popular. I, I will say that, yes, I mean, it was successful, especially with telecom companies. You know, when we started like 80 years ago, um, the percentage of people with, with credit or debit card to purchase a music subscription in, in many markets was less than 20%, Dimitri, or, or even, you know, lower and among younger population. I mean, uh, so people don't ha didn't have access. Uh, additionally, there weren't, you know, many options uh, available back then. So a model that, that offered um, opportunities like uh, zero-rated data and allowed access, you know, to, to a legal or high-quality service without having a credit card, with, with uh, payment via mobile, via top-up, and the flexibility to pay for, for, for a week or, or even a daily, it had a, a, a huge, a significant advantage. O of course, today, Quack has evolved. Well, well, we continue to see substantial success in emerging markets, especially with telecoms. We're increasingly finding success in markets like Spain, for example, where, where our service with Telefonica, you know, Movistar Musica, has achieved an incredibly high penetration rates among, among its users. Um, other example is the one that you mentioned, you know, our, 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 our new agreement uh, we have just closed here in the U.S. designed to provide music streaming services to inmates in, in prisons. 
uh, we could talk a, a lot about only this project. And, and I love it because it's not just business for us. We are bringing joy to many who, who really need it. You know, our, our concept of integrating music into other applications and, and creating super apps with, with music isn't limiting to emerging markets. And, and that's why we are venturing into, in, into the developed market because uh, Quack now has a very robust application, uh, our over 110 million songs catalog, almost you know, 10 years of experience in the music streaming business, over 20 in the digital business. So, so yes, we are we're ready to accelerate our expansion and, and, and conquer not only emerging markets. Amazing. All right. We have to take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about what types of brands are getting into this outside of emerging markets as well. We'll be right back. Hey, Music Tectonics besties. Shaley here with some exciting programming announcements as we get ready to be back on the beach in Santa Monica for the fifth annual Music Tectonics Conference. First, I'd like to highlight a new panel I've been working on called Transmedia Approaches to Music, the intersection of Hollywood, gaming, and music. The idea of this panel will be to dive into all the different opportunities for artists to monetize their music and build themselves as a brand across different medias. Sitting on this panel will be Brandon Bauman, Global Head of Original Content at Spotify, Brooke Raskoff, Global Music Marketing and Streaming Lead at Riot Games, and an investor to round out the perspective. Next, I'd like to spotlight Tatiana Sirisano's Fireside Chat, which will be rounding out the last day of the conference with high-level insights that wrap together all the themes of music tectonics and projections for the future of music and tech drawn from Media Research's Deep Data Insights. Another panel I'd like to highlight with some high-level industry leaders is the state of creativity in music and tech with Matt Henninger of Moises, Danny DeChacho of Splice, Daniel Rowland of Lander, and this will be moderated by brilliant Danny Deal at BandLab. Now, before we get back to the episode, I wanted to be sure to let you know about this cool new opportunity that my team just launched. Taking place on the second day of Music Tectonics, we will have an AI innovation house with a chance for AI companies to get demo spots and branding at the conference. Music Tectonics is always keeping on the pulse of trending tech. If you want to be a sponsor of the AI Innovation House, feel free to reach out to me at shaley at rockpaperscissors.biz and we can schedule some time to chat. If you haven't secured your spot to the conference yet, go to musictectonics.com and buy your badge now. All right, back to the episode. Okay, we're back. And uh, Juan Francisco, I wanted to ask you, what are some of the most common types of companies that launch their own streaming service as you were talking about before the break? Uh, and, and why would a brand want to launch their own streaming music streaming service? Great question. Thank you for asking this. I will say that it's very common to see telecoms providing their own music services. Uh, I believe all, all, almost all mobile companies offer music to their users, but those who use their own platform get unique benefits. Uh, of course, the easiest route is just to, to do a partnership and grant access to a third-party platform, which doesn't require much involvement. However, the mobile operator doesn't have a clear idea of what happens with its users when they use them or if they even use these value-added services. Right. You know, often when a company decides to invest in music by launch, launching its wide-label platform, it's it's 
it's it's it isn't about increasing their marketing spend spend it's it's about relocating their their, their budget uh, for using it in, in in a smarter way i remember a perfect example of, of a mobile operator in peru uh, that used to sponsor a marathon annually, sticking to traditional marketing strategies. And, and once they launch their music app, they transform the entire event by integrating music in, in, into the core of the marathon. They, they even well, name cool. it uh, La Carrera del Sonido, which is in English would be uh, the, the, the sound race, uh, you know, obtaining results beyond just the event's duration. Uh, I mean, most people run uh, and listen to music, so it just makes sense. It's brilliant. They, they manage, you know, to create a community through the music app and keep it active permanently and not only during the marathon. So there's a lot of data there. There, there are great opportunities to build relationship with customers through music, to achieve goals. And that's why brands are willing to invest into their own platforms, in their own ecosystem where they have the total control and access to data. That's super cool. I love that example from Peru um, and how they used it to not only enhance the marathon uh, branding and, and that experience, but also I could see they would carry that forward throughout the year, not just during the marathon where people are going back to their mobile providers, music service and getting more engaged and feeling more loyalty and, and so forth too. I'm curious, what about other uh, branded streaming services? How, how are they differentiating from a more traditional uh, DSP? Uh, well, as, as music services, they, they probably aren't that different. Mm. Uh, it, it's important to understand that the music streaming business, is, it's, it's very different from video streaming, where, where content from HBO or Disney is exclusive, you know, and users have more than one platform. In music, all competitive platforms have essentially the same content. So in this regard, there isn't a significant difference between Spotify and other platforms. Mm. Of course, there, there's a difference in, in functionalities, AI, podcast, and, and, and added values such as uh, song lyrics, for example. But the essence is the same. On all platforms, you search for a song, select it, listen to it, end of story. Um, however, white-label platforms, which are part of another service, like your bank, your mobile operator, your gym, airline, they offer unique benefits that other platforms just can't provide. In addition to extremely accurate and unique local curation, it could be the convenience of the payment method. Perhaps your bank offers uh, to you as part of, of, of a benefit package to retain you. So you're probably already paying for it with your, with your credit card maintenance fees. Or, or simply because it's, it's convenient to check your gym workout routine and find the perfect workout playlist right there. Or because using your app, you could win tickets to your favorite concert. Um, there are so many examples. We, we have so much in common with other DSPs. But Dimitri, at the same time, we're so different. So mm. different. Uh, this week... No, we, we, this week, for example, we recorded some music sessions for a client in the northeastern part of Brazil, uh, Brisane. It's an ISP that has understood the power of music and, and it's determined to search for local talent to invest in music and, and, and use it to build relationship with its customers. It's, it's so exciting, you know, to witness this, to see how a brand can support our industry. Um, the platform, you know, the platform is called Brisa Music and, and, and we're even launching with them a do-it-yourself platform uh, called uh, Brisa Talent for local artists to upload 
their content to Brisa Music and other DSPs directly. This, this is something really, really special for local artists because on this platform with 100% regional focus, they will have a special place. They won't just be part of those hundreds of thousands of contents that, 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 that arrive weekly to all DSPs. Uh, as I said, each, 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 each case is unique. The real highlight is that a Y-label app can offer unique benefits for both to those who offer it and those who use it. And that's what I love doing this. We always have a client who, who asks us for, you know, for something new, who challenges us to imagine new strategies to make, it, uh, the, to make their users happy, to bring them closer to the brand, to create a genuine you know, community around music. I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny how you started off the answer by saying they're not that different, but then there's the the ways it gets used ends up feeling different, right? So maybe you have access to plenty of the same music if if the user if the client wants, if the partner wants, but it's these close integrations between what that what that brand's user experience already is that really differentiates the ability to tie whatever the listening experience is to what else they their user is already doing or what else they want their user to do. Um, so uh, it's almost like this this last mile between the headphone and the ear where there's, or, or when they're looking at their phone, you know, what they can do next, the contest or the upsell or or just the user experience. Um, and, and of course the payment too with the, with the bank or, or something like that. But it's super cool to see how you get to you, you get to see not only like specific brand needs and, and their users needs and, and, and how that integrates with music, but also like you get to dip into these whole communities, these whole scenes, because each country or each brand that you're working with has something that's unique. So I'm curious, are there some interesting things that you've learned about listener behavior by creating this type of unique listening experience in different places across the globe and, and maybe in these non-traditional platforms? What, what, what are you seeing about like listener behavior from that? Wow. Uh, yes. I mean, every region has its unique listening habits. That's not a surprise to anyone. Hmm. Um, but I remember when we started looking at the consumption analytics of our first streaming platforms, like nearly a decade ago, um, the first thing that caught my attention was with a mobile operator in Bolivia, where we launched one of our first daily subscription services. We had no idea about how many days a user will pay for music, for example, especially mm. since daily subscription is twice as expensive. The price mm -hmm. isn't obtained by dividing by, um, by 30, by, by, but by 15. So it's 40 cents almost, right? And, and that's expensive, especially in a market where, where the average revenue per, per user was not higher than $5. So, so, you know, we began to take a look at the data and saw that on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, users top up to activate uh, access to their music service. Mm -hmm. Indeed, the streams on those three days were ten, tens of times higher than those on Mondays or, or Tuesdays, for example. It was the first time that we understood that our music streaming business will be directly related to, to cultures and habits. And that if we manage to create a business model according to the macroeconomic reality of each territory and consumption habits, we will succeed. The rest is history. Here we are today, Dimitri. And it's been, it's been a ride. 
<laughs> I could tell you uh, a lot about what we see with our partners in Dominican Republic, Mexico, Chile, no. Uruguay, Haiti, but but we will need like more than one podcast session. <laughs> what I can tell you is that, you know, uh, users who can't access a paid music platform and are limited to a freemium platform full of limitations and flooded with ads, they really value when given the chance to access a premium service. Mm. That, that's something that we have noticed all across the region in every market. It's so cool. It's great to have you on the on the show, Juan Francisco, because it it really does give us like a, another global window, a, a sense of what else is possible. And I don't think, you know, I, I don't think these these discoveries would be made in the U.S., but they might actually create innovative um, payment models in the future for the U.S. You know, you might realize there's a group of users here in the United States that would like to pay for a little more like a jukebox. Like I'm going to use it today rather than for the whole month. I don't want to commit for the whole thing, but then who knows what they end up spending. But it's really cool to get that, that global perspective, the, you know, cross-cultural perspective of, of user behavior. Yes, definitely. Definitely. You're right. And, and yes, definitely. There, there, there's, there's a lot of segments, you know, there's a diaspora here. I, I live in Miami, you know, so I, I, I see people from all over around the world and definitely, you know, there, there are different, you know, niche and there are different segments and opportunities. So yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. It'd be cool to see how that emerges over time and, 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 you know, diversifying what the offerings are, you know, everyone comments that a lot of the major DSPs just, they're, they're very similar. They might be competing on ecosystem. There's not a lot of different features, not a lot of different catalog. And so, you know, creating, creating those payment models actually could differentiate in a way that could open up to new audiences or be more convenient or more affordable for some people, or maybe less affordable, but, but more desirable in other ways. So it's super cool to see the, the experiments that you guys have been able to surface as a result. All right, we got to take one more quick break. And when we come back, I'd like to ask a kind of flip that question on its head and, and ask about musical trends that you see. We'll be right back. The Music Tectonics Conference is coming up so fast, we're gathering with thinkers like these October 24th to 26th in Santa Monica, California. It's going to be awesome. Speakers from Spotify, Tidal, Lander, Media Research, Splice, Riot Games, leading investment firms, and so much more will be there to map out the future of the music industry. And I want to make sure you get your ticket before the regular price tickets expire on October 16th. Right now, tickets are a mere $350 for three days of kick-ass keynotes, scintillating sessions, and noteworthy networking with music innovators. But after October 16th, you'll pay the walk-up rate, 450 buckaroos. Claim your spot at the conference, grab your ticket, and check out our speakers and session topics at musictectonics.com. Let's get ready for the future of music together on the beach. Hey, Juan, I wanted to ask you, um, similar to the question I asked you before the break, you've got this interesting bird's eye view across different uh, cultural groups, different national groups, and how people are interacting as listeners. Have you learned about any interesting musical trends because of all this international work? Anything, anything we should be keeping an eye out for that you, you kind of have seen before me? Wow. Well, you know, my journey uh, with the music industry began, like I said, about 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, we began putting together musicians with developers to create those early monophonic ringtones. Mm. Uh, from there, we jumped to polyphonic ringtones, then into true tones. Then we moved to downloading full tracks. And, and now, of course, uh, streaming is a game. 
But during these tech leaps, I've had a front row, Dimitri, uh, to the musical evolution as well. Uh, for me, it was fascinating to watch how tropical rhythms made their way south, influencing the birth of, of Argentinian's Cumbia Villera at the time when rock was the principal music genre. And then there was the rise of reggaeton. It began with hints of, of reggae Spanish in, in Panama and then exploded in Puerto Rico. Uh, I've, I've been lucky to witness the crossroads of, of tech advancements and, and music trends over these years. And of course, as, as Latin American, it, it's incredibly rewarding to see our rhythms and sounds at, at a global stage. At a point, the, the global top 40 playlist started resembling what you typically hear in, in top 40, uh, top 40 Colombia, you know, Shakira, J Balvin, Bad Bunny, Carol G, Peso Pluma, Maluma. It was, you know, it, it has been amazing. Uh, but in response to trends, absolutely, I've seen a few, you know, the rich origins of, of musical genres when, when tweaked just a bit for mm. contemporary tastes can lead to unexpected, unexpected global hits. Um, with the power of digital platforms today, artists from any corner of the world have a shot at a global recognition. It, it's a time where an Argentinian teen might, might, might be grooving to K-pop or, or someone in Germany could be vibing with, with Mexican corridos, right? Or corridos. Uh, it, it's, it's an incredible world of, of music out there. I love it, man. I love the way you just descri described all that. And uh, it's going to be super exciting to see like what else emerges next. Um, it just feels like the pace of this kind of global cross-cultural um, convergence is just increasing and uh, you get some really cool scenes as a result of that. And it's cool. In addition to sort of being a front row with these musical trends, I, I think the industry itself has all these shifts that you're, you're a part of. I'm curious from your perspective, what's the future of music from where you sit in the industry? Uh, I believe that the future of music is it's global and diverse. Uh, as technology keeps advancing and reaches more places, we'll see a rise in local content, uh, collaboration between cultures and, and even niche streaming platforms for specific listeners. I really believe the time for, for, for niche and local services has arrived, Dimitri. Uh, not everything needs to, to needs to be, you know, all you can eat service with hundreds of millions of songs. Truthfully, like most people don't need that. Services like the one we are we're softly launching now in Brazil, Godbeats, uh, centered around gospel music, you know, have a bright future ahead. Uh, Apple Apple saw this potential too with their classical musical offering. Uh, I believe that in the future we can expect uh, we're gonna see more and more specialized platforms. For me, you know, it's, it's something that's going to happen. I also believe that it's crucial that platforms became, you know, more or become more artist-centric. Um, it's, it's trendy now to talk about this, you know, but I, I agree. It's, it's, you know, comparing natural ocean sounds to a musical masterpiece like, like Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, it just doesn't feel right. Uh, the direct connection uh, of artists to their super fans through platforms will, will have a significant impact. And, and well, you know, there are many areas that we could discuss like blockchain, metaverse, the role of AI. I remain optimistic. Uh, our industry can harness these new technologies and, and really understand what, what listeners want. Um, from my early days with, with monophonic ringtones, I've 
constantly seeing evolution, adaptation, and progress. So, so I'm thrilled about what, what the future holds. And, and at Quad Media, we, we're eager to be part of that forefront of, of our industry next big steps. Amazing. It's great to hear you kind of kind of weave together where your where your company is, but also what these other future pieces are. Cause I can tell that you're not trying to be a one-trick pony. You're not trying to just do the same thing over and over again and bring it to different places, but really to think about what tools are going to get the job done. And as these new tools emerge, I'm sure we'll see uh, Quack Media Group continuing to evolve and adapt. This has been super fun. I'm really excited. We're all going to get to meet you in person at the Music Tectonics Conference, October 24th to 26th in Santa Monica. I'm excited you're jumping into the mix. What are you looking most forward to about the conference? Um, Dimitri, I'm here to, you know, to learn and to make new friends. Um, I, I'm eager to meet industry friends, to, to network, and, and have the chance to share what we are up to at, at Quad Media. I really look forward to, to discussing, uh, you know, our achievement, lessons learned, uh, exchanging ideas and, and hearing about all the happenings in, in the music space space. Uh, I hope to make new friends and, and gain insights that I can bring by, back to my team. And of course, um, I heard nothing but great things about this event. So I'm looking forward to having a good time and, and enjoy myself. Uh, being surrounded by, 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 by this passion and innovation, I feel I'm in the right place uh, with the right people. You know? So I look forward to meeting you in person and, and thank you so much for having me today. I, I, I really enjoyed this session, Dimitri. Thank you so much. Thank you, Juan Francisco Saavedra Plata with Quack Media Group. It's been a blast talking to you. I can't wait to see you in person in Santa Monica. See you soon. See you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know we do free monthly online events that you, our lovely podcast listeners, can join? Find out more at musictectonics.com. And while you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference and sign up for our newsletter to get updates. Everything we do explores the seismic shifts that shake up music and technology, the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. That's my favorite platform. Connect with me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it. We'll be back again next week, if not sooner. You're listening to Music Tectonics.